Dear friends of Jesus, for those of you who've been able to come these Lenten Wednesdays, I hope it's been a blessing to you to study some of the Psalms. And what we've learned is that the, the Psalms are songs, songs for our hearts. It's a song, a psalm for every occasion. We heard about a, a song for you when you have a guilty heart. It's a song for when you're betrayed by your close friends. It's a song for when you face all the accusations of other people. The song for when your heart is downcast and depressed. The song for when you face all the, the frustrations of life. What, whatever you're facing, there's, there's a song for that in the Bible. There's a psalm for that in the Bible. And so I hope that even after these Lenten Wednesdays end, that you learn to go back to that book of Psalms over and over again. No matter what you're facing, there's a, a song for that in the Bible. Now we're preparing to celebrate Holy Week. Next Friday will be Good Friday. We'll talk about how Jesus was crucified for us. And there's a psalm for that too. Did you know that there is a, a psalm in the Bible that is all about Jesus' crucifixion? It's actually one of the most amazing chapters of the Bible. It's Psalm 22. It was, it was written by King David. You know when King David lived, right? Yes, you do. Yes, you do know when King David lived. He's one of the ones in our timeline, remember? Abraham was about 2000 BC. Moses, about 1500 BC. Do you see a pattern? King David was about 1000 BC. You know that, right? King David lived about the year 1000 BC, and he wrote Psalm 22. It's a song about the agony of facing death. And yet as we read this psalm, we're going to realize that David cannot possibly be talking about himself. Instead, David, as he wrote this psalm, he's writing about his future great descendant, Jesus. When Jesus' heart was facing death on the cross, there was a song for Jesus in the Bible, and it's Psalm 22. We're going to read it sections at a time. Please join with me in reading the first two verses, verses one and two. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Stop there for now. How do we know that this psalm is actually talking about Jesus? Well, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, what did Jesus say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Jesus was being crucified, Jesus had Psalm 22 on his mind. Now, of course, you and I also have moments in life when it feels like God has abandoned us. Don't we? I bet King David had moments in his life when it felt like God was abandoning him too. But for you and me and King David, when we feel like God has forsaken us, is that really true? No. Of course not. Because of Jesus, God promises that he never leaves us or forsakes us, no matter how bad life is. You and I can never really cry out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God never forsakes his people. Except for Jesus on the cross. It was actually true. 
As Jesus hung on the cross, God the Father actually forsook him. God abandoned him. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, remember this. Why was Jesus dying on the cross? He was suffering the punishment we deserve for our sins. What's the punishment that we deserve for our sins? We deserve to have God completely and fully forsake us. Completely and fully abandon us. And that's exactly what God the Father did to Jesus as he bore our sins on the cross. The person speaking in this psalm says, I cry out to you and you do not answer. That sound horrible? That was Jesus on the cross. But because that was Jesus on the cross, that means that will never be for you. Because God already punished Jesus for our sins on the cross, it means he will never abandon you and me. Jesus died on the cross. He could honestly say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet, let's read the next three verses. Verses three to five, all together. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Yet, it says, when you come across that word yet in the Bible, pay attention because it often means something really good. There's all sorts of sections in the Bible that say, even though this bad thing is happening, yet. As Jesus faced death, as Jesus faced being abandoned by God, yet, Jesus continued to trust in God. He continued to trust in his heavenly Father. Jesus didn't say to God, God, why is this happening? This is so unfair, you've got to stop it. Even in the face of death, Jesus trusted in God. Do you remember Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested? He prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken from me, but yet not my will, but yours be done. Even as his heart faced death, Jesus put his trust in God. But it wasn't easy. Let's keep going. Verses six through eight, all together. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. How highly do you think of worms? Do you ever see a little dried up worm curled up on your sidewalk and have your heart go out to it? Oh, that, that cute little worm. I don't think so. There's a lot of worms. They're all over the place. They're ugly. They're covered with dirt. You break them in half and they still squiggle around. Right? You step on them and squash them and feed them to fish. And nobody cares. That was Jesus. I am a worm and not a man. 
You ever saw that movie, The Passion of the Christ? Do you remember what Jesus' body looked like? He was suffering on the cross, bloody and beaten and broken. We treated Jesus like a worm, not like a human being. And nobody cared. In fact, the people who were there, they, they actually mocked him. This broken, beaten, bloody man, they, they mocked him. They said, if you are the Christ, come down and save yourself. They said, if you trust in God, let God rescue you. And it, it's the most ironic way that people could have mocked Jesus because did Jesus actually have the power to save himself? Of course he did. Why didn't he? Because he wasn't there to save himself. He was there to save us. He was there to save the very people who mocked him. That's why he didn't come down from the cross because he was there to save us. And did God the Father have the power to rescue Jesus? Of course he did. Why didn't he? Because God so loved the world that he allowed his only son to die so that whoever believes in him could have eternal life. Yet, let's keep going. Verses 9 to 11. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Do you see this back and forth happening in the psalm? There's how awful death is, followed by yet. I trust in the Lord. Death is awful, yet I trust in the Lord. Death is awful, and yet God is my God. And I think it's so good for us to see that when Jesus faced death, even Jesus went back and forth between the awfulness of death and trusting in God. Isn't that what we do as Christians? When we think about death, we, we waver back and forth between remembering how awful death is and remembering God's promises of eternal life. Sometimes when we talk about Jesus, we make it seem like for Jesus everything was easy, right? Jesus dying on the cross, he was the son of God, piece of cake, no big deal. Is that true? No, for Jesus it was hard. For Jesus it was awful. It gets even worse. Been coming each week, you know that where do we find the theme of each psalm? Right in the middle, right? The heart of the psalm is in the middle. Let's read a bigger section, verses 12 to 18. When I told you that this makes us think about Jesus on the cross, in your mind, or even if you have a pen, mark every phrase that describes Jesus on the cross as we read these, these verses. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey. Open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. 
People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Stop there. Remember I told you that David is writing this. He's describing the agony of facing death. But there's no way that David is talking about himself. He's talking about Jesus on the cross. Do you make at least a mental note of some phrases that make us think about the cross? It says, roaring lions open their mouths wide against me. You just picture the people surrounding the cross, devouring Jesus. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. Ever heard what it was like to be crucified? All of your bones out of joint. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. What was one of Jesus' seven words from the cross? I'm thirsty. His tongue was dried up. He lay me in the dust of death. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. What could possibly be a way for your hands and feet to be pierced other than on a cross? All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothing and cast lots for it. See who this is talking about? It's Jesus. It's, it's the most amazing thing that the clearest description of Jesus' crucifixion is not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's found in the Psalms, in Psalm 22. And don't miss this detail. Remember when King David wrote down these words? What year was it? 1000 BC, which meant how many years before the time of Jesus was that? About a thousand years before the time of Jesus. And so when Jesus was on earth, what had already been written? The Psalm. And so Jesus knew it all. Jesus knew all about the sufferings and death that he was going to face. Of course, as God, Jesus always knew it. But even as a man like us, Jesus knew it because David had written it down. This is what Jesus is going to face. And so do you know what's amazing? He still did it. Jesus still did it. He still did it for you and for me. This is why when we get to next week, we get to Friday, we call it Good Friday. What is possibly good about watching a man do this? Knowing that he did it for us. He knew exactly what he'd have to face, David told him. And he went through it for you and me. David's description of Good Friday ends with the next three verses. Let's read verses 19 to 21. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Up until the very end, whom did Jesus trust in? And God. Do you remember Jesus' last words from the cross? He said it is finished. All right. It depends on how you order Jesus' words from the cross. It seems like perhaps after even he said it is finished, he said one more thing. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Up until the very end, whose hands did Jesus place his life into? God's. 
fathers because he knew that God saves. He knew that God delivers and he knew that God's salvation and deliverance, it doesn't stop with death. It's true even after death. So a soul facing death, it's his father into to your hands, I, I commit my spirit. And God does. As amazing as it is to hear King David write down a thousand years before what the crucifixion would be like, what's even more amazing is to see that the psalm hasn't ended. If I said that the psalm describes Good Friday, that's not the whole truth. The psalm ends with a different day, with Easter. King David, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not only saw his Savior on the cross, but he knew that his Savior was going to rise from the dead. So you've done enough reading. I'll, I'll finish the psalm, reading through to the end. And just note the joy of Easter. It says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. But for those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. The death of the Savior wasn't the end. In fact, it says, God the Father did not despise or scorn the suffering of his afflicted one. He's not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. King David didn't just see his Savior dying on the cross. He saw his Savior rising from the dead. And so the psalm ends not with sadness, but with a party, with rejoicing. Just imagine this, as Jesus faced his death on the cross, his heart already knew how it was going to end. Because there was a psalm in the Bible for a heart facing death. That psalm said, you will rise. And all nations will celebrate it. Notice how widespread the celebration of Jesus' resurrection would be. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Posterity will serve and future generations will be told about the Lord. You think maybe, maybe David's overdoing it a little bit. Will people all over the world really praise Jesus? Absolutely. Just think how this next week, it's not just us here in Tulsa, Oklahoma who will be celebrating Holy Week. Who's going to celebrate it? Christians everywhere. From Asia to Jerusalem to Africa to Paris to London to New York City to South America there's going to be a billion people all celebrating how Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose to save us. All nations are going to be telling the next generation. And what's their message going to be? He has done it. He has done it. 
One of you said amen. But they're not done yet. He's done it. Of course he has. On Easter evening, after it was all done, what David had prophesied, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And you might expect Jesus to say to them, surprise! But that's not what Jesus said. What he said to them is, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart not to believe what the prophets have written. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? When he showed up to his disciples, Jesus says, guys, you should have known all this. It's all been written down for you for over a thousand years. And the moment that God writes something down, it is as good as done. The moment David wrote down about the Savior dying and rising again, it was as good as done. He has done it. This is the song in the Bible for Jesus' heart facing death. He has done it. The moment David prophesied his death and resurrection, it was as good as done because every time God says something, it's already as good as done. And for you and me, when your heart is facing death, that same song is true for you. He has done it. When the people you love face death with faith in Jesus, that song is true for you. He has done it. Don't forget God's word. Don't forget God's promises. It's all right there, written down for you. This is the song for a heart facing death. He has done it. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, your word is amazing. You, you had your ancestor, King David, a thousand years before you were born. Write down in great detail all you would suffer for us. Dear Jesus, you knew it was going to happen like that. And yet you still came. You still did it all for us. How much you must love us. Yet David didn't just write down about your suffering. He also wrote down about your victory, about your resurrection. And the moment he put those words down, they were as good as done because they're the word of God. You rose from the dead. and You give us victory too. Dear Lord Jesus, you've given us so many promises in your word. Help us to cling to those promises. Help us to know that every word you speak is as good as done. When we and those we love face death, help us to rejoice that you have done it. You've completed all the work of saving us. In your name we pray. Amen.